Hi everyone, welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of hepatic encephalopathy found under the gastrointestinal section at MetaBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 45-year-old man with a history of alcoholic cirrhosis is found on the sidewalk with altered mental status. He is brought into the emergency room by the police. He has had multiple similar visits for intoxication. This time, however, he is noted to be markedly lethargic and jaundiced. On physical exam, he has pronounced asterixis, ascites, and other signs of liver disease such as telangiectasias and palmar erythema. Laboratory evaluation reveals negative serum alcohol levels, but elevated ammonia and liver enzymes. A hepatic ultrasound shows a hyperechoic mass in his liver, which is concerning for malignancy in the setting of chronic cirrhosis and was thought to be possible trigger for his episode of hepatic encephalopathy. Let's continue with an introduction to hepatic encephalopathy. As a general overview, remember that this refers to a reversible complication of liver failure characterized by altered mental status and asterixis. It is often precipitated by acute stressors such as dehydration or infection. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that this occurs in 30 to 40% of patients with cirrhosis, and risk factors include alcohol use and hepatitis. In terms of the etiology, acute triggers may include dehydration, infection, gastrointestinal bleeding, fluid and electrolyte abnormalities, sedatives, hepatocellular carcinoma, and transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt, or TIPS procedure. In terms of the pathogenesis, there is decreased ammonia clearance due to liver dysfunction. Remember that ammonia is normally metabolized in the liver to urea, which is easily excreted. Then there's portosystemic shunts causing blood to bypass the liver. And remember that ammonia is neurotoxic. It crosses the blood-brain barrier and is converted to glutamine, which is an osmolite and promotes swelling of brain cells. This leads to cerebral edema and alters neurotransmitter function. Conditions that are associated include acute liver failure and cirrhosis. Remember that other complications of cirrhosis include portal hypertension, esophageal varices, and hepatocellular carcinoma. In terms of the prognosis, remember that hepatic encephalopathy is reversible. Now let's discuss the classification. Hepatic encephalopathy is classified by the underlying disease. Type A is due to acute liver failure. Type B is due to portosystemic bypass or shunting with preserved liver function. And type C is due to cirrhosis. Moving on to the presentation. Common symptoms will include mood changes, the patient may be slow to respond, and they may be unsteady. On exam, one may note signs of liver disease, such as jaundice, ascites, spider angiomata, and palmar erythema. There may be asterixis, which is a flapping tremor of the wrists. The patient may present with altered mental status, and there may be coma or stupor in severe cases. In terms of further imaging, CT or MRI of the head is indicated to rule out intracranial hemorrhage or a mass as a cause of the encephalopathy. Specific findings may include cerebral edema. In terms of further studies, serum labs may demonstrate an increase in ammonia. One should also evaluate a liver function panel, blood urea nitrogen, and electrolytes. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about other metabolic encephalopathies. This may include diabetic ketoacidosis, which has a distinguishing factor of presenting with hyperglycemia with ketones in the blood and an anion gap metabolic acidosis. Also think about uremic encephalopathy, with distinguishing factors being that there will be an elevated urea and a normal ammonia. Another cause may be an acute alcoholic intoxication. This will have a distinguishing factor of presenting with an elevated blood alcohol level. In terms of treatment, non-operative options include correction of the precipitating factors and electrolyte derangements. Another option is lactulose. 
This works by having gastrointestinal flora degrade the lactulose into lactic acid and acetic acid, which results in clearance of ammonia. This is indicated as treatment and prevention. Another option is rifaximin. This works by decreasing the bacteria that produce ammonia. This is indicated as treatment and prevention alongside lactulose. And lastly, complications related to hepatic encephalopathy include a persistent learning impairment. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to hepatic encephalopathy, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 55-year-old man is brought to the emergency department by his wife due to increased confusion and somnolence. The wife reports that his symptoms progressed over the course of three days. He also noticed some abnormal shaking in his bilateral upper extremities, but denies any bowel or bladder incontinence or tongue biting. The patient has not experienced a fall or any recent medication changes. His past medical history is notable for ascites, secondary to liver cirrhosis, leading to portal hypertension, for which he underwent a transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt. His temperature is 99 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 140 over 85. Pulse is 89 beats per minute, and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. On physical exam, he is alert to self, but not to place or date. He is able to follow simple one-step commands and has notable asterixis. Laboratory studies demonstrate a sodium of 140, chloride of 101, potassium of 4.1, bicarbonate of 24, BUN of 20, glucose of 140, and creatinine of 0.9. Which of the following is the most appropriate treatment for this patient? And the answer choices are choice 1, lactulose, choice 2, observation, choice 3, protein-restricted diet, choice 4, rifaximin, or choice 5, transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt revision. The best answer to this question is choice 1, lactulose. This patient is presenting with altered mental status and asterixis in the setting of having a transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt or tips placed. This implies that his serum ammonia level is elevated. The most appropriate treatment is to start lactulose. Hepatic encephalopathy results from elevated ammonia levels reaching the brain and subsequently altering cerebral function. This elevated ammonia level results from either impaired liver function or portosystemic shunting, such as the patient with tips. The first step in treating these patients is to lower the serum ammonia level. This is best accomplished with lactulose, lactol, or rifaximin. Lactulose is the first step in therapy to lower serum ammonia levels. It enters the colon and is metabolized by bacterial flora into short-chain fatty acids such as lactic acid and acetic acid. This acid production lowers the colonic pH and converts ammonia into ammonium, which becomes trapped in the colon and subsequently lowers the ammonia serum level. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice two, observation is inappropriate as it will worsen the patient's mental status, resulting in the need for intubation and possible cerebral herniation from cerebral edema. Cerebral edema results from ammonia being converted into glutamine within astrocytes. Glutamine is osmotically active and pulls water into astrocytes, causing them to swell. Choice three, protein-restricted diet is not recommended in hepatic encephalopathy. Protein restriction is associated with higher mortality in patients with cirrhosis. Protein restriction would be warranted in patients who have undergone portosystemic shunting but with severe hepatic encephalopathy. Protein restriction is accomplished with vegetable protein or branched-chain amino acids. Choice 4. Rifaximin inhibits bacterial RNA synthesis, which decreases the number of bacteria that are producing ammonia. This is reserved for patients who do not improve with lactulose or lactitol. Choice 5. 
transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt revision is reserved for patients who do not respond to medical management. The revision is performed to decrease the amount of shunting into the systemic circulation. However, if the shunting is suboptimal, the patient stops receiving the benefit of shunting, which is supposed to address the consequences of portal hypertension, such as ascites and varices. Finally, a bullet summary. First-line treatment for hepatic encephalopathy is with lactulose, which decreases the colonic pH and converts ammonia into ammonium, trapping it in the colon and decreasing serum ammonia levels. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 59-year-old man is brought to the emergency department for changes in mental status. His wife noticed that since lunchtime today, he has been zoning out and forgetting simple things such as where the bathroom is. She decided to call the ambulance as he got uncharacteristically violent during dinner when he threw his plate to the floor. The patient denies fevers, weight loss, chills, chest pain, or shortness of breath, but reports mild abdominal discomfort and some dark stools that he attributes to iron supplements. A physical exam demonstrates a moderate fluid wave of the abdomen and shaking of the hands while the wrists are extended. What is the mechanism of action of the medication that can treat this patient's condition? And the answer choices are, choice one, antagonist against 5-HT3. Choice two, inhibition of the sodium-potassium 2-chloride co-transporter at the loop of Henle. Choice three, long-acting somatostatin analog. Choice four, mute opioid receptor antagonist. Or choice five, trapping of ammonia in the colon. The best answer to this question is, choice five, trapping of ammonia in the colon. This patient has hepatic encephalopathy as evident by his altered mental status in the setting of liver cirrhosis, as evidenced by moderate fluid waves indicating ascites and shaking hands indicating asterixis. The best treatment for hepatic encephalopathy is lactulose, which works by trapping ammonia in the colon for excretion. Hepatic encephalopathy describes potentially reversible neuropsychiatric abnormalities in patients with liver dysfunction. Cirrhosis of the liver leads to portosystemic shunts that subsequently decrease the metabolism of ammonia. The buildup of ammonia leads to the characteristic neuropsychiatric abnormalities that can range from mild disorientation, asterixis, or memory loss, to difficulty in arousal or coma. Potential precipitating factors may include increases in dietary protein, gastrointestinal bleeding, constipation, infection, renal failure, or diuretics. The treatments for lowering blood ammonia in the acute setting include lactulose, lactitol, rifaximin, neomycin, and polyethylene glycol. Lactulose is broken down in the gut to its metabolites, such as lactic acid and acetic acid, which draws ammonia from the blood to the colon and traps it in the colon by converting it to ammonium. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Antagonist against 5-HT3 is the mechanism of action of ondansetron, which is often used for its antiemetic properties. It is not indicated for hepatic encephalopathy. Choice 2. Inhibition of the sodium-potassium 2-chloride co-transporter at the loop of Henle is the mechanism of action of loop diuretics. Diuretics can precipitate hepatic encephalopathy and therefore should be avoided in this patient. Choice 3. Long-acting somatostan analog is the mechanism of action of octreotide, which can be used for controlling acute variceal bleeding or gastrointestinal bleeding. Although this patient reports dark stools, iron supplements are a reasonable explanation for such findings. The more important condition at hand is his hepatic encephalopathy. Choice 4. Mute opioid receptor agonist describes the mechanism of action of loperamide, a medication often used for its antidiarrheal properties. Finally, a bullet summary. Lactulose, which traps ammonia within the colon, 
is the first-line treatment for hepatic encephalopathy. That's all for this review about hepatic encephalopathy. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session from MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast. <laughs>